Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. You know, uh, recently, Lizanne and I were on vacation, and we found out that our home was robbed. And uh, I was especially sad because... Some of Lizanne's mom's jewelry was gone and she wanted to pass that on and that's something now you can't do and there's really that sense of violation that you feel when you you go through that. And uh, so I I began to beef up our home security. So I got a security system and then I uh, think I'm gonna install some of those cameras and I'm gonna get a Doberman Pinscher well, maybe not that. But listen, uh, you know, since, since that time, to my surprise, honestly, I haven't been sleeping great. And uh, yet, Lizanne is sleeping like a baby. What's up with that? You know, uh, I, I, uh, I realize just, just going through this is, yeah, all those things, those are temporary. Thank, thank the Lord that no one's hurt. You know, but listen, you know, we all think, and I've always thought, you know, I can protect my home. I can, I'm going to protect my wife and my things. And, you know, sometimes you come to the place where you realize that you're, you're not strong enough. You're not good enough. You're not fast enough. You're not beautiful enough. You don't have enough wealth. You don't have whatever it is you really think you need. You know, I've realized in the last several weeks, I can't, I can't maintain security even. We are so, (laughs) we need to be so satisfied with God because we need his help because I can't get enough on my own. And by our own strength, we will never, never, never have enough. So the problem here is deeper, much deeper than anything just surface or physical. It's a problem that we know in our lives. It's been dealt with since the beginning of time. It's an issue of our hearts. Are our hearts resting, satisfied in Christ? And as we sang it earlier, in Christ alone. And at the root of our longing for enough we find that our hearts tend to chase things other than God himself. So, anything we we chase after, you know, we'll find that our hearts are ultimately, they aren't satisfied and they're just continuing to struggle. So, today, we're going to see from our passage, and I'm so glad, I need this. How about you? We're going to see this, that by God's grace, we are satisfied by his sovereign goodness. And so uh, join with me if you have your Bibles, open them up to Jeremiah chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse number 7. And I remind you, as we do often, that this is God's holy, faithful word. We can rely on God's word when everything else is insecure in our lives. Listen to God's word. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud, 
with gladness for Jacob and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labor together. A great company, they shall return here. With weeping, they shall come. And with pleas for mercy, I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path, which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastland far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd, their life shall be like a watered garden, and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance. And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Amen. Amen. So just a couple reminders before we dig into this passage. And the first is this, that we're in this series from Jeremiah chapter 31. And in Jeremiah 31, we're going to see that this theme, one big story of God's grace over and over again. And the whole of really the Old and New Testament is an unfolding of God's grace. And it all points to Jesus and his coming and his perfect work. I also want to remind you as we think about uh, you know, how do you learn and grow in the Bible, knowing the Word of God? And we teach this acronym a lot, a comma, which is comma, C, context, O, observation, M, meaning, second M, motive, and then A, application. And so what's the context here? C. And remember that here Jeremiah is telling the people that they're going to have 70 years of being slaves in Babylon as captives. And can you imagine what that would be like, of not having freedom and being in slavery in another nation? And uh, here, at this time, the people are still in exile. They're still in Babylon, and they receive this promise of hope. So things have not changed. Their circumstances are struggling. How about yours? You know... <laughs> In the midst of it, in the midst of hard circumstances, Jeremiah flashes this amazing word of hope. And he tells them that not only is Israel going to return to the land, 
but also gladness and joy will once again return because God and his grace will satisfy their hearts. And so today, we're going to see a couple ways that by his grace, we are satisfied in his sovereign goodness. And it all begins with, we see first of all, our rescue. He rescues the most vulnerable. Verse 8, look at it. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. Seventy years earlier, God's people traveled the road to captivity in Babylon. Now on the same road from the north, he's picturing when they will come back and travel home to freedom in the land of Israel. But look who the Lord brings with him. Look who he, look who he singles out here. It's the, verse 8, among them the blind and the lame the pregnant woman, and she who is in labor. <laughs> it's, it's the blind, it's the lame, it's the woman in labor. It's the people who Leviticus 19.14 says, they're overlooked, but you need to care for them. And because I, the Lord, care for those in the culture who are disregarded. I care for them. I have a heart for the broken and the powerless and the needy and the weak. But notice here in this passage that he goes on and he says, a great company, they shall return here. It's not just a company of great people. It's a, it's a, it's a great company. It's lots of people who are needy, who are relying on an almighty God. You know, today, it's not about your, your work or your looks or your abilities or your strength or your power or your maintaining security. Are you coming to God and realizing, yeah, I'm weak, but I need an almighty God. I have a God I can rely on. See, this is the message of hope because God here promises to do the work we need. He, he, he himself, we see, he promises this. Those who return to the Lord re realize their need. Verse 9 says, with weeping they shall come. And with pleas for mercy, I will lead them back. You remember last week, Pastor Tim shared with us about Jeremiah 1.3 that says, he loves us with an everlasting love. It's because of the personal relationship with God that he rescues us. He cares for us as his sons and daughters. And so in verse 9, he says this, and this is pretty shocking to the people of Israel. He says, for I am a father to Israel. And when, when he comes, he promises that he'll send Christ and by faith, we know today we become children of God, sons and daughters who are adopted by the Heavenly Father. And we know, and we sing it, that He is a good, good Father, right? And He says it in Psalm 103, 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows 
compassion to those who fear him. You know, uh, no one in this room, even the most, the godliest, so to speak, have fully grasped how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the Father's love for us. And today, that's one reason why we gather. It's together that we would grasp it, we would get it more and more that God loves us and that he has promised and fulfills his promise of rescue for us both now and forevermore. Man, what a God. Do you know his love? And I just encourage you that you just pause and just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit. Just do it right now. Say, Holy Spirit, today, would you help me to get more of how great your love is for me? Will you ask him to do that? Pause for just a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you the Father's love for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Praise God that he today, he guarantees us that his rescue will occur for us. Verse 7 and 10, we see here that Jeremiah is not like a local meteorologist who unreliably predicts, tomorrow look for chances of sun with some clouds. No, his promise is certain. It's guaranteed. It's sure. Verse 7, he says, thus says the Lord. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 14, he closes this passage, declares the Lord. You see, Jeremiah tells Israel and us today that you can rely on his word because it is from God. He never fails to keep his word. He continues to boast about the work of the Lord and because he's confident in the word of the Lord. It's sure, it's certain, it's true. Verse 11, so this is why we can, we can take delight in this verse. Because it says here, for the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. Remember that redemption in the Old Testament and New involved bringing kind of a liberty to someone who was in prison or captive. And usually it involved a, a payment of a price called a ransom. A person could actually uh, spend money, pay money, and ransom or buy back a slave and free them. See, here's the picture. Jesus does this for us. He, the perfect God who owns everything in the universe, made himself, he emptied himself of everything. And he himself became impoverished, came to this world was born and lived a perfect life and died on a cross. And we sang it. God put the wrath for our sins upon Jesus himself. 
And, and now the Father is completely satisfied with us. And so we, Jesus himself paid that ransom price. And because he alone could pay that price, you and I can be free. Isn't that good news? Free. Free because of what Christ has done. So therefore, therefore we can rejoice. And then in this passage, we not only see, first of all, our rescue, but our response should be full of praise and full of thanksgiving to our great God. The Lord, you see, sovereignly works in our hearts, and we see that in verses 8, 9, 13, and 14. He says, notice this, the, the phraseology, the wording, Behold, I will bring them from the north country, says the Lord, and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. Five times, God sovereignly declares, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. I will do this. It's not an if, and, or but. I will. I will accomplish this. Your rescue. And I will help you even to believe as you trust me and cry out to me. You see, I love verse 14, how Jeremiah describes even the reply of the priest. Look what even happens to the pastors of Israel's day. They believe, and their hearts, their souls overflow with delight and gratitude and fullness for the grace of God. Verse 14, it says, I will feast. Notice it's God's work. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance. You see, and it's not just the priests, our hearts, God's people, overflow in worship. Jeremiah then goes on to say, they shall seven times. Again, repetition in Hebrew is for emphasis. You see this in verse 12 and 14. And back in verse 9, God sovereignly works for his people. And he also works sovereignly for them to believe his work and respond to it. First of all, with repentance. Verse 8, they shall return. Verse 9, with weeping, they shall come. With confidence in verse 9, in a straight path which they shall not stumble. With worship. Isn't this beautiful? Watch this worship. We sang today. We're praying. We're going to have communion. Look what God says. How we respond. It says, verse 12, they shall come. And sing aloud on the height of Zion. And they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord. Over the grain, the wine, and the oil. And over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden. And they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance. And the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and, and give them gladness 
for sorrow. You see, after his people respond to the work of God in repentance, confidence, and worship, this passage absolutely crescendos with an ultimate response to the grace of God. Look at verse 14. Really, the heart of the passage right here, it says, and my people shall be satisfied with the goodness, with my goodness, not just any goodness, with my goodness, declares the Lord. You know, think about the best party you've ever had, the best birthday party or best celebration you've ever had. We, we share that at our table at the Adams house. So you, when you have a birthday, you kind of have to share, this is, this is the best one. But listen, that party is nothing like the party he's going to throw for you on that day. It's going to be the party of parties. The father in Luke 15, who's representing God the father, spared no expense to throw a party for the prodigal. And it says that God's goodness will make your face radiant like literally glow with joy. Some of you are like, that's going to be a miracle, right? And you will be totally satisfied with joy and delight in his love for you. Man, I take hope in that. I'm not easily satisfied by God. He says, we will be totally satisfied radiant with joy because of the rescuing work of Christ. This is the picture we have in verse 14. Again, by his grace, we are satisfied in his sovereign goodness. You know, at our marriage conference, and it was just fantastic. I mean, I'm telling you, great job team on putting that together and there was such such a Christ-centered environment and teaching about marriage and it really helped Lizanne and I we really loved being there but uh, we were really especially deeply moved by Tim and Karen Roberts who um, continue to seek satisfaction and joy in the sovereign love of God You know, for the first time, they told the story about their son, Peter, who died in a car accident. He was 17 years old. And you can imagine what that must have felt like. You know, I I honestly, because I haven't had a child, I honestly can't imagine. But I can only believe they went through incredible Incredible sorrow and sadness, kind of unimaginable. But listen, listen to how Tim recounts the story. As, um, after he was told, and early in the morning, a police officer came to their home and told them about Peter's death. He, he told it this way, and I'm, I'm going to read it so it's clear. He said, on March 16th, 2013, our world was shaken by the death of our youngest son, Peter, in a car wreck. He was 17 years old. 
our first thoughts when tragedy strikes tend to be, where is God? Where do you turn to when something that devastating happens? And we all have the same questions. Why? Why has this happened? Where is God? But of course, Tim and Karen had already answered those questions in their hearts from the word of God. This is, listen, listen to how he responds. He says this. This is, this is so beautiful, guys. He says, we wanted our kids to have an unshakable confidence in the sovereign love of God for them personally. We wanted them to know that their father in heaven is in control and he loves them. Wow. So here's what he did. He said, Karen and I, right after we heard from the police officer that Peter had passed, we gathered our kids at 3.30 in the morning and we told them about this and told them how much God loved them in the midst of this great tragedy. I was blown away, just blown away by the grace God gave to Tim and Karen to believe him, to believe his love and communicate and lead their family in knowing that God is in control and he is loving them even in the midst of what could be described as perhaps the hardest event, tragedy that could ever happen in any family. You know, God is sovereign and he is good. Do you believe that? Are you satisfied in him? You know, it's so easy for us. It's so easy for us to run after other things, for our hearts to not think we have enough, enough security, significance, money, whatever. Power, whatever we're looking for. But listen, listen. God can satisfy your heart as you humbly cry out to him as you reject other things you've been seeking your heart to be satisfied by and as you simply just say, God, I need faith. Help me believe. Strengthen my faith to trust you. Satisfy me in your love as we sang earlier. So let's, as we take a moment of prep for the Lord's Supper, listen, here's the application. What are you running after other than God? You know, for me, it's been security recently. And it's not been that <laughs> for many, many years. But right now, I want security. God wants to say to you, I will be your security. I will be your God. I will give you what your heart really is longing for. Will you 
simple faith cry out to me and invite me to, by my God's grace, give you what you really need. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Vine CC. Have a great week.